Welcome to Roots Radio, weekly high school Bible studies located at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. Exodus chapter 2, and we're going to be looking tonight at the beginning of really the the start of, of this man by the name of Moses. And last week, we looked at Israel in the land of Egypt. You remember from last week, and Andrew said that the Israelites went through suffering. They went through this time of suffering in Egypt, coming from the book of Genesis, where Joseph was uh, a part of the leadership at that time in Egypt. He died, and then another, his, his predecessor came uh, up in, uh, in line, and he was ruling and reigning at the time, but he, he didn't know who Joseph was. He didn't know um, what God had done for Israel in that time. And so Andrew shared with us last week about that, man, and, and what it is um, as we go through suffering, man, and, and really in trials, how God is, is really, he's concerned about your holiness, man, than, than your comfort. Yes, God wants to bless you in, in, in all of that, and it's, it's an amazing thing as a Christian to, to see the blessings of God that he just sheds abroad in our hearts and, and through our lives. But at the same time, man, God, God wants to create in his people a holiness, and he wants to set a fire within them. And sometimes in doing that, that takes suffering in our lives. If you've walked with the Lord any length of time, you know that, man. There's, there's seasons in life where it's, it's harder than others, and God takes you through different seasons, man, to, to really refine you. As the Word of God says that in our lives, we go through these seasons of, of refining. Really, in the picture there is, is putting into a furnace, then to make, make one whole. And so that's called the process of sanctification. And, and Andrew hit on that last week, and it was, it was great. I was so blessed by that. But tonight, we look at Exodus chapter 2. And it says this in verse 1. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, and laid in the reeds by the riverbanks. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. And let's pray together. Lord, we just come before you now, God. And Lord, we just ask, Lord, that you would speak to us this evening. God, we pray that we would see you, God, in this, this text tonight, Lord. As, as we look at the life of, of this man, as he really becomes a deliverer, God, but um, not in his timing, God, but in your timing, Lord. So we pray that you would speak to us now, God. Let us see you, Jesus, clearly through this text tonight, God. Lord, Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd be here in our midst. And we love you, Jesus. Everybody said, amen, amen. So tonight, if there could be any sort of, of title for tonight, and for me in studying over this, this is what the Lord spoke to me. Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 25, you can kind of put the title of this. It's, it's, it's God's timing, the best timing. God's timing is the best timing. If you've walked with the Lord, as we said, man, for, for any length of time, you know that, man, where your plans uh, don't always turn out, but God, man, his, his plans are the best. So looking again at verse 1, And a man of the house of Levi went and took as uh, his wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. So we see here kind of the, the opening of this man, Moses, 
for myself, just to help me in, in with an outline, rather, I put Roman number one, the beginning. This is the beginning for Moses. And we, and we see that um, in God's timing. We see two things that come from the life of Moses. It's maturing and it's molding. Two things that, coming, that, that come from waiting and seeking the Lord in his time. It's maturing and it's a molding that takes place in God's timing. And these two things go hand in hand. The first thing, maturing, we see here in verses uh, 1 through 10, we see really the, the growing up of this man Moses as he becomes the deliverer in these early stages of his life. And we see uh, his maturing. We see uh, first the, the birth of Moses. It says that in a man of the house of Levi went and took as his wife the daughter of Levi. We see in another place in scripture that Moses' parents, uh, he doesn't really expound upon uh, who they are and really how he grew up, but we, we see from um, other places in scripture and other uh, historical text um, more insight into who Moses really is. So the first thing, we see his parents, and they're from the tribe, the priestly tribe of Levi, and first we see his father, who is, uh, we know from scripture, his name is Amram, and his wife, so his mother, Moses' mother's, I'm going to try to pronounce her name, her, her name is uh, Jacobin. Amram and Jacobin. And uh, they were of, again, the, the priestly tribe of Levi. And the name Moses in e Egyptian, it, it simply means child or, or son. But Moses in Hebrew means drawn out or drawn out of the water. And we see this in verse 5. Look, it says, there in verse 5, Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, There is uh, no one of the Hebrews, uh, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women, that they may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. Uh, so the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name, there it is, Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. So we see here this, this story Unfolding, and really, we see this character, and his, as his name is Moses, we see that Pharaoh's daughter uh, then finds him over at the Nile. We see also in this that um, you got to think of, of uh, Amram's wife, Jochebed, as, as she's really preparing um, the best for her child. At this point, uh, Moses has two siblings. He has his older sister Miriam and his older sister Aaron. And so they're, they're prevalent at this time, and they're there with him. But we see that three months go by as he's born. Three months go by, and, and really, um, I was looking in a commentary today, and it said really that uh, Moses, he, he had some lungs, man. He, he would just cry and cry. And you know if you've, you've held any newborns, you know that's the case. Man, after three months, that's nothing. <laughs> they're so little and so compact, and, and, uh, and they really can't um, control themselves in, in a lot of, of uh, many ways. And so, this being the case, man, and, and we know from last week that the guards would come by and, and the guards, they would throw the, these Hebrew uh, children into the Nile if they were found. And uh, as we saw last week, that Pharaoh made this decree uh, 
And he sent uh, his guards out to find them. And so we see that Jacobet is trying to hide Moses at this time so that this would not take place. And we see what happens is that uh, there's this, this step of faith, the step of faith that takes place in his parents' life, in Moses' parents' life. And they, they basically, they, they build this ark and they send him down the Nile River. And what's crazy is that in God's faithfulness, in God's provision, man, he, he provides. It's crazy how this even happens. He could have kept floating down the river, but he stops basically at the feet of Pharaoh's daughter. And what a perfect place, man. And, and we're going to see throughout the book of Exodus, man, God's provision and God's faithfulness in this man's life, this man by the name of Moses. It says in verse 8, And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, speaking to, to, to Miriam as, as Miriam's watching what's happening and following the basket down the river, Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. And so Miriam basically presents this opportunity unto Pharaoh's daughter and says, Hey, I, I have this lady, speaking of her mother, that could watch and, and wean the child for you. And then as he grows older, then after he's out of his beginning stages as a baby, then you can take him at that point. And so what's so cool, guys, is that uh, Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the child. And uh, then Pharaoh's daughter said to her in verse 9, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. Crazy. The Lord's provision in this whole thing, man, in God's timing, we see God's provision. And so the woman took the child and nursed him, speaking of his mother. And the child grew and brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. And he became her son, so she called his name Moses. And again, meaning drawn out of the water. She drew him out of the water. And I can't help but think, man, as we're talking about being drawn out of the water, um, first thing I think of is, is Jesus. Man, I think of Jesus, man, when he was baptized, he was taken up out of the water as the Spirit descended upon him. But the next thing that I think of when I, when I hear that phrase, as Moses was drawn out of the water, I think of myself, man. I think what God has done in my life. God, how, how have you drawn me out? How have you, what have you drawn me out of? Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's a, a state of depression. Uh, maybe it's a radical, as we looked at last week, this, this radical trial. God, what have you drawn me out of? And the crazy thing, guys, is when we look back to what God has drawn us out of, man, it, it, it points us, or it should point us to Jesus. There have been many times in my life where I, I haven't realized this. I haven't realized, God, that you've drawn me out of my sin, out of, out of, out of just the mire and, and just the muck of this world. And I think it's so key that we remember what God has taken us out of. Would you agree with that? Would you agree that, man, it's, it's good to look back and to see, God, you have completely transformed my life. You've taken me out of this. But not to dwell upon it, but to look back and see the faithfulness in the hand of God upon my life. And so Moses, his name means drawn out, drawn out one, drawn out of the water. And from other places in scripture, we see the childhood of Moses. And Moses was raised for a brief period of time, like we said, under his mother, Jochebed. She probably taught him about God during those early stages. Uh, she probably taught him of the, the, the God of uh, his, his fathers, speaking of um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, she probably taught him about the covenant which God had made with his people, the children of Israel. And so we saw that this, this is a crucial time 
for Moses as he's with his family being taught the things of God. If you know, if, if, man, if you have godly parents, man, you should be thankful for them, first and foremost, man. I, I'm so thankful for my parents. <laughs> man, they love Jesus. They, they taught me from an early age what it means to, to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to read my Bible, what it means to uh, really just be separate from the world. So thankful for them. And we see here that Moses, this is a crucial time as he's being poured into as a young man. Not only would you see the birth of Jesus, but the, in the childhood of Jesus, or not of Jesus, but the birth of Moses, as Moses is a picture or a type of Jesus in many ways, the birth of Moses and the childhood of Moses, we also see the youth of Moses. Man, growing up, uh, Moses as a young man, in the book of Acts, um, the disciple Stephen tells us in Acts uh, 7.22, it says this, and Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in words and in deeds. I thought that was so interesting, looking, cross-referencing to that. Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was mighty in words and in deeds. Moses was mighty in words and in the works that he did. First of all, look at, look at it says that he was mighty in, in his words, Moses' words, which is so funny because in the coming chapters, we see in Exodus chapter 4, uh, verses 10 through 12, where the Lord meets Moses in this radical way, and we'll see next week, uh, or excuse me, the week after that, uh, we see that it says there in verse 10, it says, Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before uh, nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth, or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, says the Lord. Now therefore, go and I will be with your, uh, with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Crazy. <laughs> Just a couple chapters later. Really, it's 40 years later for Moses. But he says, I, I'm not eloquent of speech. We see here that that was Moses' upbringing. He was eloquent of speech for sure growing up. But maybe over time through uh, being, as we'll see, 40 years in the wilderness. Just this time of silence in Moses' life. Maybe that's what he's coming up. It's basically just an excuse that Moses uh, brought about because clearly in Acts 7.22 it says that he was mighty in words and in deeds. Jesus says in John 14.26, he says this, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you in all things and bring to re your remembrance all things that I said to you. I love that, man. When, <laughs> so many times when I'm like, Lord... Uh, and specifically when, when I'm talking to someone or I'm sharing Jesus with someone, I think, Lord, a lot of times while the other person's talking, I just say, Lord, I just I throw up a quick prayer, like, Lord, speak to me. Lord, be, be in the words that I'm speaking to this person. Bring back to remembrance um, your word. Man, it's so crazy how he does that. Even in speaking in front of you guys now, man, I, I never thought I'd be doing something like this ever. When I was a freshman in high school, I had a public speaking class. I went to Southwark Valley Christian School right down the street, uh, freshman year in, in, in eighth grade, and, and uh, I was with a, a man by the name of Mr. Bergen, and uh, I think that's his name. And uh, anyways, he was an interesting guy, but, and, uh, but he was great at, at public speaking. He was a great teacher, but man, I, I hated that class. And it's been said, too, that public speaking is, is probably the, one of the worst fears of, uh, of every individual, even over, like, dying. 
And so for me, man, that was, that was a huge, I didn't even know what I was doing. Even now, I'm like, Lord, how are you? This is crazy. I would never think of doing this. But it's so cool to see, guys, that when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, and when Jesus, man, is, is, is in your life and he's working through your life, that he speaks through you. And for Moses, we're going to see that that's going to be the case in his life, that God raises him up as a deliverer and he uses him to speak to his people. Not only does uh, it say Moses was mighty in his words and his youth, but also in his works, the things that he did. I was looking at this up earlier and it says that a, a Jewish historian by the name of Josephus, maybe you've heard that name before, he tells us that Moses became a great soldier and he led the Egyptian troops against the Ethiopian city of Moreau, which he conquered. I thought that was crazy. Man, Moses was a gnarly guy in his, in his youth, <laughs> bro. He was, he was this radical, this great, incredible soldier that led the Egyptian people, the Egyptian troops into battle to conquer cities. And this is who Moses was, which is so funny to think in, in who he becomes. God, God takes Moses, and we'll see in the coming chapters, that he takes him through this season of, of humbling. And really, it's, it's the season of breaking. And so that's our next point, guys. Not only does, uh, is this the beginning and really we see of Moses, but man, this is, this is the breaking point. And we see in, in verses 11 through 25, and I'll say this as well, man, in God's timing, sometimes it, it's, it's, it's exciting, man. There's, there's a beginning point. There's a starting point where you see, Lord, you're working. You're, you're doing great things in and through my life, whatever that may be in your life. At the same point, man, there's, there's a breaking point that God brings you to and for the purpose to greater use you in the things that he has for your life. And looking back in my life personally, there's been many seasons like this where God has just brought me through different times and where God has just humbled me. And um, as I said, third service um, this past week, um, there's like a season... Um, of depression that I went through at one point. Never thought that would have happened um, because of something that happened and I became bitter and, and really angry towards the Lord. Um, at like 20 years of age, it was crazy. Seasons that the Lord takes you through. And really the Lord, what he did, and, and as he brought me back to Bible college, it was this season where the God was just breaking me and molding me into who he wanted me to be. Studying his word, but at the same time just really just ripping me apart and stretching me to the point of, Lord, I can't, I can't go any further. And there's been many different seasons like that in my life. And maybe that's you tonight. Maybe that's you, man, where God's just doing things in your life and you, you don't understand. You don't understand what God's doing. Where God's just taking you through a season and you're like, Lord, I don't, I don't understand what's going on in my family maybe, um, in school, uh, in my life personally. Or maybe it's even a season where you're like, Lord, I'm seeking you, and, and it, it's a dry season. It feels like I'm just going through a desert, and nothing's happening. Lord, I'm, I'm in your word, and, and Lord, I, I don't know what to do, Lord, and is, is this even worth it? And there's so many times, and, and when you come out on the other side, and you see the, the hand of God upon your life as he carries you through those seasons. And so we see here, and let's read in verse 11, where Moses basically comes to this breaking point, and this is the, the, the process of molding that the Lord is doing in his life. In God's timing, man, it's the best timing, but man, it's, it can be hard in waiting for the Lord and waiting in these seasons of God just molding and shaping you and who he wants you to be. Look, it says in verse 11, 
Now it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out to his brethren, uh, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting, and he said to the one who did the wrong, Why are you striking your companion? Then he said, Who made you a prince? And a judge over us. Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Then Pharaoh heard of this matter, and he, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. This is crazy. This whole encounter basically goes on. Moses comes out, and he sees for the first time... Uh, his, his brethren, and he's, he's 40 years old at this time, and Moses thinks this, this is the time. This is the time of deliverance. He sees this opportunity to step up and be, be the man, to step up and be the deliverer for his people. And I think as well, Moses knew that there was a calling upon his life. Moses knew, and we're going to see in the following weeks that, that God makes it so clear, this calling upon uh, Moses and, and being the deliverance of his people. There's this whole process that's going on as God's molding and shaping him to be this man, to deliver the people. And this is a high calling, man. You think to, to lead a million people out of the land of Egypt, that's a high calling, man. That takes a lot of patience. That takes a lot of perseverance. That takes a lot of strength. And God, as we're going to see, he's, he's going to do that in this season of waiting and preparing him to be the man of God that he would have him to be. So we see that it says that there's a confrontation between one of his brethren, one of the Israelites, and one of the Egyptians that was beating this Hebrew man. And so uh, verse 12 says that he looked this way and he looked that way. And, and uh, then he goes and, and he basically, he takes out this Egyptian. And like we said earlier, man, Moses, Moses was a gnarly dude. In his youth, I mean, he's 40 years old now, but man, in his youth, he was, he was a warrior. And so he takes out this guy and then he buries him in the sand. He buries him in, in the sand thinking that no one saw him. No one, no one saw what he was doing. But in verse 13, it says, When he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And basically, what happens, guys, uh, for sake of time, is that these men, they, they saw him the first day. They saw what had happened. They called him out on it. And basically, Pharaoh gets word of it, and, he, and Moses just takes off. Moses takes off running. He takes off running for this place called Midian. And going back and, and, and looking in verse 12, man, it says that, he looked this way, and when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. I think this is something that the Lord just brought up now, but uh, I think a lot of times we don't think about our character in waiting for the Lord in seasons of just, Lord, I, I don't know. A lot of times we forget about our character, and basically what character is, guys, is, is who you are when nobody's, when nobody's looking, when nobody else is around. That's what character is. And so for Moses, man, not really thinking, not really contemplating the consequences of what's going to happen at this point, he kills this man and buries him in the sand. It reminds me of uh, in the book of Joshua, chapter 7, where there was a man by the name of Achan, where Achan, uh, he's one of the men that, that, that goes in to, uh, to Jericho after they marched around the walls, the walls came down, 
And then they go in and they defeat the people of Jericho. And then at that point, it's, the Lord said unto Joshua, he said unto the people, he said, don't take any of the accursed things of the people of Jericho. There's a man by the name of Achan. And then it says, basically, in Joshua 7, that Achan then buried this wedge of gold and this purple robe that he got from Jericho. And then basically what ends up happening is that as he's trying to hide his sin, that then Achan, is, he's found out. God gives Joshua discernment. And then he's then found out, and then he's, he, he's given the consequences for his sin. So this kind of just reminds me of, of Moses at this point, man. He's, he's trying to bury this thing, this person <laughs> in the sand, this thing that um, he thought no one would see. He thought no one would see this thing. And for us tonight, man, hopefully there, there's nothing that's hidden within our lives. In times of waiting for the Lord to work, in times of like, Lord, I don't know what's happening, so I'm just going to do whatever I want. Hopefully this isn't the case for you. If it is, man, God, God loves you and he wants to redeem you from this. If there's something that you've buried so far, whether it's a memory, whether it's sin, whether it's uh, whatever, man. God wants to restore you and redeem you in that way. And so for Moses, he takes off running, running for the hills, running for the mountains of Midian, running out to the wilderness as Pharaoh gets word of it. It says in verse 15, when Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water, and they fled, or excuse me, filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to Raul, their father, he said, how is it that you have come so soon today? And when they said, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds, and he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. So he said to his daughters, and where is he? Why is it that you have left the man Call him that he may eat bread. Then Moses was content to live with the man, and he gave Zipporah, his daughter, to Moses. And she bore him a son. He called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> Basically what happens at this point, guys, is that Moses... He flees. He flees to this area of Midian. And he basically comes upon this, these, these women and, and he helps them. And then basically what happens is that uh, he gets married to one of the priest's daughters of the area. And uh, that is so distracting. I'm sorry. Oh my goodness. Let's just take a second and... Sorry, my mind is just like, ah. there it is, silence. Um. <laughs> Where were we? Moses, he's in Midian. Uh, he takes a, a wife, her name's Zipporah, and uh, she bore him. Uh, a son, he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. I like that it says, though, 
that an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds, and he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. For Moses at this time, in becoming the deliverer, he had to first be humbled. And in being humbled, we see that his occupation changes from being one of the most high up, most well-educated of that time, Egyptians, back to just a shepherd in the flock there in Midian. Moses had to learn what it, what it meant to be humbled. And many think that it was because of Moses' pride that he had at that time, that this was, this was the reason why that the Lord had to drive him back to this place and into, into the wilderness, into the season of, of just being humbled, man. For Moses, you got to think on, on his perspective, what this had to have been for him to be humbled in such a way like, I was, I was in the, the king's palace with the best of the best among the Egyptian people, but that wasn't his people. He was a Hebrew, called to be a deliverer of the Hebrew people. So God took him into the season of, of testing, the season of, of just waiting, the season of, of being humbled. And it says that he became a shepherd. He became a shepherd at that point. And many times, and we see throughout Scripture, man, I think of the Apostle Paul. Same thing had to happen. He was, I believe he was in the wilderness for, not the wilderness, but he was in the wilderness for some time, and then he just was doing his, his normal, you know, eight to five job. He was a tent maker. The Apostle Paul, crazy, for about 12 years, just day in and day out, just doing the things of the Lord, just serving the Lord in, in, in his mission field, which was just tent making. He was faithful to what God had called him to. And in this season, God had called Moses to be a shepherd. And for us, guys, in the season that the Lord takes us through, thank you, Andrew, in the seasons that the Lord takes us through, man, we gotta be faithful to the calling in which God has called us. And for this season, God had called Moses just to be a shepherd. Not only does it remind me of the Apostle Paul, though, but it reminds me of Jesus, man, what Jesus did. We've been studying through the book of John on Sunday mornings, if you've been with us, and uh, the last week, we, or two weeks ago, we talked about Jesus as the good shepherd. Man, it's, it's an, let's, let's turn there. John chapter, here, let's go there. John chapter uh, 10. Jesus as the good shepherd. John chapter 10. It says in verse 9, I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Look at this. Verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. Verse 14, it says, I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I'm known by them. As the Father knows me, even so, I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I love that picture, man. And in this, guys, in seasons of waiting and seasons of just not knowing what, <laughs> Lord, what are you doing? 
there's seasons where God is making us become more like Jesus. And for Moses, that was to be a shepherd. And he had to learn what it meant to be the under-shepherd of Jesus Christ. As Jesus is, is known as a good shepherd, he cares for his sheep, he knows them by name, as we just read. Moses was learning to be more like Jesus. As Jesus was the one that cared for his people, so Moses had to be the same thing, to care for the people of Israel, regardless of the hype and, and everything that happens. God was taking him through the season of humbling to make him more like Jesus, to make him more like his son. And I think that is one of the hardest things, guys, to, to do. It's where God takes us through this, this process, it's called sanctification. And basically what sanctification is, is a big word that means to be set apart, to be made more and more like Jesus, and it's for the rest of your life. And Paul says in the epistles that it, it takes endurance, man, to run the Christian race. To run, to run the Christian race, man, to, to run for first place and, and to seek the Lord to be more like Jesus. It's a, it's a lifetime, man, of just serving the Lord and walking with him. It's hard, man. And not only is it hard, but it's, it's, it's a life of the cross. It's a life of the cross. We were going through a book recently with the staff guys that are, that are here and um, some of the guys that serve and, and Jeremy and, and Michael and, and Andrew and myself. And it was called The Road to Calvary. And basically what it was, it was just talking about what it means to be a Christian and the fact that it means to take up the cross daily. And for us guys, as a Christian life, man, that's, that, that has to be the goal. And I think that's what Moses was going through. He was, he's, he's learning what it meant to be crucified, really. What it meant to be humbled in that way. What it meant to take up the burdens of the people of Israel. What it meant to pray for those people that were in bondage. And that should be our desire as well, guys. Man, to pray for those who are in bondage. Pray for those that are unsaved. To be more like the shepherd to be the under-shepherds of Jesus Christ, to serve him in that way. It says then in verse 23, Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. Now notice this in verse 24 in closing. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. Now, shifting gears and, and, and shifting attention to the people of Israel. It says that they, they cried out, they groaned because of their bondage. And they cried out, and the cry, the, the Lord heard their voice. I love that, man. When you cry out to God, and he just... He delivers you from whatever it is. Man, he, he frees you from your sin. He, he delivers you from those, those seasons and his timing of just waiting upon the Lord and, and, and seeking him and, and just, and you may be groaning in those seasons. But what I love about the children of Israel, it says that they, they actually, they, they cried out to God. And it's interesting to note too that the children of Israel, they, they weren't necessarily in, in a good place. They weren't necessarily in a, a state of holiness before the Lord. We see that the first thing that happens as the children of Israel, they, uh, spoiler alert, they, they cross the Red Sea. They cross the Red Sea. God delivers them from the Egyptians. And we see that the first thing that they do, they come to Mount Sinai, and what do they do? They make this idol. As Moses is gone, the leader's gone. So what are we going to do? We're going to build an idol and worship it. 
That's the first thing that they do. Obviously, it's a revelation of their heart at that point in time. They hadn't put away the idols that they had worshipped in Egypt in this state. It says that their cry came up to God because of the bondage that they had. And so God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. I love that, man. God hears our voice. If you'll just simply cry out to God, he hears you in those times of waiting, in those times of seeking him, in those times of, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what you're doing. He hears your voice. And it says that God remembered his covenant. God remembered his covenant with his people that he made to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. You remember with Abraham, he said that, Abraham, I'm... I'm going to give you so many descendants that you won't even be able to count them. You look up at the stars, that's how many descendants I'm going to give you. You can't even count how many that I'm going to give you. The covenant that God made with his people to never leave them, to never forsake them. It says in verse 25 that God looked upon the children of Israel and God acknowledged them. It wasn't necessarily the love of God that he gave them, yes, it was from the love of God which this gift stemmed and and this freeing stemmed from, but it was God gave them grace. God gave them the grace of God. And I can't help but think of the people of Israel in our state today, thinking of us, looking at us as the children of God, as the people, as the, the Gentiles that God has grafted in I was in that state, man. I was in that state of bondage where I didn't, I didn't see any way of escape, where I was so lost in sin that it was, there, there was no, no way out. But God, man, he heard my cry. He heard and he remembered his covenant. And he looked upon me and he, he, he acknowledged the, the cries that I, I was like, Lord, I, I can't do this. And that's a part of my testimony, man. God, and, and I mean, for any of us, that's the testimony which we have. God has freed us from sin and bondage. God looked upon his children. I love that it says that. He looked upon his children and he acknowledged them and he remembered his covenant with his people. So guys, tonight, ending with that, God has such a radical plan for your life. Did you know that? God has such a radical plan for your life. It's high school. I know that. It's an interesting season. It it can be. It can be rad, too. But it's four years, man, out of your life. You know, a lot of people, they they go astray in that time, if I could say that. They, They get off track, and they're just doing their own thing. But man, God has a radical plan for your life, regardless of where you're at, man. He loves you. You're his children. If you remember anything tonight is the fact that Jesus loves you and he died for you. Not only that, man, but that God has has a radical plan and he he has a calling upon each and every one of your lives. Each and every one of you, whether it's to be a mom for you girls, whether it's just to be a father that works, you know, an eight to five job that just is diligent to provide for his family. 
you know, whether it's to be some professional athlete, whether it's to be, you know, working in, in some business or some, um, you know, whatever it is. Maybe it's in a church, maybe not. Maybe it's to be a missionary, to be out in the mission field serving the Lord in that area, to be a bold ambassador of Christ wherever you are at. God has a radical plan for your life, each and every one of you. And prayerfully, you're accepting that fact. And what God is doing now is to prepare you for what he has in the future, to prepare you for the radical things that he's going to do in and through your life if you'll let him do that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word, God. Lord, we thank you for this time, God, where we could just Lord, meet with you, Lord, and, and, and spend time in your word, God, and, and Lord, just see you, Lord, in, in, in the scripture. Lord, it's so encouraging, Lord, just to see Jesus in this text. Lord, thank you that you have a plan for our lives. Lord, thank you that you are so faithful, Lord, and so gracious, Lord, and just in times and, and seasons of just waiting, and seasons of just, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. Lord, I'm in high school, and Lord, I don't, I don't, I don't see like what you're going to do with my life. Lord, I haven't Lord, applied to any colleges. I don't know what career I'm going to pursue. Um, I don't know how this relationship is going to turn out, God. But Lord, you have a plan in it all. Lord, if we just would seek you, Lord, and we just knock, Lord, you'll open up the doors, God. Lord, let us be faithful, God. Lord, let us be faithful ambassadors of you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word this evening, God. Go before us tonight, God. Lord, we love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.